0: We are studying the, the book of Acts. Uh, we're having an Acts of the Apostles sermon series, believe it or not. And uh, I'm really excited about it because I love Acts. It's an exciting book. It's action-packed. And, and it's really hopeful about the future of the church. You get to see um, in a beautiful way the way the church is growing from the very beginning, the way that the Holy Spirit uh, dwelt in and, and blessed and filled the, the church from the very beginning. And, and so it's really exciting to be a part of it. Um, and today, especially, we get to talk about Ananias, which I love Ananias. Is anybody else a big Ananias fan? Ananias? An- yeah? Egg, yeah? Yeah, yeah. An- Anahuas? What, what? Yeah, Ananias is, uh, is one of the, I guess, uh, lesser known characters of the Bible, but he's really important. If uh, Ananias wasn't there uh, when God called him to be, uh, w- the church wouldn't be here today, honestly. Um, the church... Um, and the Bible wouldn't be here. Uh, the Bible, uh, half of the New Testament just about is written by the Apostle Paul. And, and the Apostle Paul in his darkest hour was ministered to by Ananias. So, um, it's really cool that we get to talk about Ananias. And, and maybe you'll leave today thinking, man, I, I really dig on Ananias now. <laughs> so, um, I got to be honest with you though. Uh, even though it's turning into a beautiful day, um, even though I have a, a lot to be thankful for, uh, I have a heavy heart today. Um, can, I, can I speak my heart to you? Can I be vulnerable and just say, um, yeah, I just feel the weight of the world uh, today. Uh, and um, I, I, uh, I've, I really have had a heavy heart, and, and I'd appreciate uh, if we just start with prayer. Um, Gracious God, I pray that uh, you would be with me as I speak. Uh, we pray uh, for your word to speak, Lord. Um, and we pray that it would be your living word, Lord. Uh, not um, not something that I would speak, but something you would speak through me. Um, be with us today. Uh, keep us safe. Keep us holy. Uh, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I've had a heavy heart uh, since the funeral. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I attended the funeral uh, of a man that was uh, 26. Um, and and it, it's hard uh, when you're at a funeral of somebody that's young. Uh, you know, a lot of funerals, uh, they, they feel different depending on the situation, right? If you uh, go to a funeral of somebody that's lived a long life, and they left a uh, great legacy, uh, and they felt ready to go. Um, you know, the, it's it's a joyous occasion if if they know where they're going. It's a joyous occasion if if they've lived uh, with the disease that's ravaged their body for much too long. It's a joyous occasion. But uh, when you're at the funeral of a 26 year old man who was the embodiment of youth and vigor, um, it's it's not a joyous occasion. This 26-year-old man was, was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man full of grace. He was a man that I... He's, he was a man that, that I would aspire to be. Um, so it, my heart is heavy today uh, thinking about that man and, and thinking about him going. Um, he was 26. His name was Stephen. Um, and this man... Um, not only passed away, this man was murdered. And I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral for somebody that was murdered, uh, but again, it's, it's a totally different feeling. Uh, the grief is so much more raw. The, the anger is just so much more present. And, and, and people make no, uh, make no qualms about it. They make no, um, they make no attempts to hide it. Uh, people are open with their anger when it's a murder. Do you remember what God said to Cain when he killed Abel? In, in Genesis, Cain uh, killed his brother Abel. And, and, uh, um, and God comes to Cain. He says, where is your brother Abel? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And, and and that's how I feel today, when I think about Stephen. You know, I, I was at that funeral. I felt like I could hear I could hear Stephen's blood crying out from the ground. And and, I, and when it's quiet, when I'm alone and when I think about it, I, I feel like I can I can I can hear his blood crying from the ground now too. And and I don't know if that's um, you know, I don't know if that's um, okay, but I, I feel angry sometimes. And, and, and I, I, I go from feeling uh, really sad to feeling really angry to feeling confused. And, and um, I, just, I just feel lost because Stephen was such a good man. Of all the people <laughs> in the world, the last person that deserved to die this way is Stephen. Stephen had a, had a face that would light up a room. Stephen... Uh, Like I said, he was a man that I would aspire to be. He wasn't a Christian for very long, but he was raised Jewish, so he knew the Bible like the back of his hand. And he was a powerful witness for Jesus Christ. Stephen lived his faith. Stephen lived for his faith. And really, Stephen died for his faith. Stephen was killed for his faith. Stephen spoke boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what they killed him for. He was stoned. Stephen was stoned to death for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stephen spoke boldly and the mob gnashed their teeth. (laughs) The mob surrounded him and Stephen, all the while, was prophesying. He was speaking the gospel to these people. He was speaking to the law to these people. He was telling them about Jesus Christ and they weren't having it. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen is standing there and he's telling them about Jesus Christ and they're just getting angrier and angrier and Stephen goes in to talking about the Old Testament and Stephen says who have your fathers not killed among the prophets your fathers killed all the prophets and now you've even killed the Messiah himself now I don't know if you've ever been around an angry mob before but I think this is probably the last thing that I would say to an angry mob they lost it they weren't having this I, they, they couldn't even believe their ears. They covered their ears and, and they covered their hearts to the words of Stephen. And, and they, they grabbed him by his hair, and they grabbed him by his arms, and they grabbed him by his clothes and his legs, and they dragged him. They dragged him outside the city. They dragged him outside of the walls of the city, and they threw him down in the garbage dump outside the city. They threw him in the filth of the dump. And they took up big stones. Big ones they couldn't even carry with one hand. And they lifted them over their head and they threw them down over and over again on top of Stephen. And Stephen, all the while, even when the stones are coming down on him, he's prophesying. He he looks through their arms. He looks through their grim faces. And he he sees the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. He sees Jesus Christ and he says, I can see the glory of God through what you're doing to me. And they get angrier and angrier. And, Jesus, and and Stephen says, God, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And they get angrier. And he says, Father, into, into your hands I commit my spirit. Stephen learned from Jesus Christ how to live. And Stephen learned from Jesus Christ how to die. Stephen was murdered for his faith. Stephen was the first Christian to die for his faith. Long after he was obviously dead, out of anger they kept piling the stones on top of him. And when we found him, we followed the trail of blood through the filth to the pile of the stones. And his limbs were sticking out in different directions. And we one by one we pulled the stones off. And we carried his broken body to give him a burial a proper burial was respect that he deserved as a human being. My name is Ananias. My heart is heavy today. My heart is heavy ever since the day I buried Stephen. Ever since I buried that 26-year-old man. My heart is heavy because Saul that same man that authorized the murder of Stephen, that same man that stood in approval over the murder of Stephen is wreaking havoc in the church today. My heart is heavy. My heart is heavy because he's going home to home and he's dragging out the men. He's dragging out the women and he's putting them in prison. My heart is heavy because he's breathing murderous threats to the faithful. My heart is heavy. Because that same Saul, that same man, is coming to Damascus. My heart is heavy because we had to split up the church. We had to scatter. And I've been staying in Damascus with my relatives. And now Saul is coming. My heart is heavy because it's only a matter of time before he comes for me too. God spoke to me last night. And this is more than anything why my heart is heavy. God has given me a task. God has given me a task that I don't think I can do. I don't know. I don't know, God. This is how I imagine Ananias felt. As we talked this morning about the book of Acts, I wanted to tell this story in this way from the perspective of Ananias because I feel like this book, this living word of God, so often is just read as a book. And, and so often it's just read as history of something that happened many years ago. And so often we read it, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard this story so many times before. And it doesn't really live and doesn't really breathe the way that God intended it to. But, and, and, and I don't know why that is, but uh, if we can read it in a new way today, I believe that God will speak in a new way today. We've lost that. We've lost the reality of this book. Hopefully we can hear the reality of what Ananias lived through. Hopefully we can see the people in the Bible as people. In our story today, Ananias is called by God to go and minister to Saul. He's called by God to go to this murderer. He's called by God to go to this man who's, for all he knows, still breathing murderous threats, as the Bible puts it, for the the people of God. He's he's called to go to this man and he doesn't know if he can do it. Can can you blame him? Can you blame him if he felt angry? Can you blame him if he didn't want to do it? (laughs) Now God is calling Ananias to go and heal Saul of his blindness. How do you think he feels? How would you feel? Chapter 9, verse 1 reminds us, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. And it was eager to kill the Lord's followers. God speaks to Ananias and tells him, "This man that you're supposed to minister to, he's my instrument. This is this is the one I've chosen." Have you ever seen the movie Terminator? <laughs> if you have seen the movie Terminator, you know it, I know it's the '80s. It's like decades and decades ago, but it, you know. Uh, Sarah Connor is uh, the main character, and she's being chased uh, by this robot from the future that's trying to kill her. And and Ananias going to Saul and trying to convert Saul and trying to minister and heal Saul is a lot like Sarah Connor turning around and saying to the Terminator, uh, "Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? <laughs> you know, it's it's totally out of the realm of his possibility, <laughs> out of the realm of what he even thinks was possible." <laughs> go and minister to Saul what do you think Ananias says what does it say in scripture he says well I've heard about what Saul has done and who he, you know, what he's d- done to the church but I think in history it probably was something a little bit more like this Ananias says say what? what do you want me to do? you think I'm crazy? what are you out of your mind? you want me to go talk to who? I know exactly what he's been doing who do you think I am? <laughs> imagine how he felt He was in grief. He was in exile. He was being persecuted for his faith. He had no idea what God had in mind for him. He woke up, and he probably prayed that day, totally unaware. (laughs) He probably woke up and prayed like I do sometimes, uh, Dear God, thy will be done. (laughs) That's a dangerous prayer to pray in your life, if you pray, Thy will be done. You've got to be ready for God to answer that prayer. <laughs> Sometimes it might not get answered the way you want it to get answered. <laughs> There's a couple things that I've learned in my life. Um, and, and one of them is that God is a God of detours. Our God is a God of detours. Just when we think we got fi- things figured out, just when we got our plan A all lined up, and we got all the details figured out, and we got a plan B just in case plan A doesn't work out, God takes us on a detour. <laughs> Our God is a God of detours. You see what, Ananias had no idea that he was ever going to go and minister to Saul. Saul had no idea that as he was on his way to persecute the Christians, he was going to meet Jesus Christ himself on the road. Our God is a God of detours today. Our God takes your plan A, and he says, "I'll do you one better." You know that's one of the things I've learned. Firstly that God... God's plan A is so much better than our plan A. It's so much bigger than our plan A. God has a plan for you. That's what Jeremiah 29 11 tells us. God says, I have a plan for you as my people. I have a plan for your good. I have a plan not to harm you, but for your good. And it, and it takes a lot of faith to trust in that. He speaks that, that word through Jeremiah in a time when the people of Israel are the absolute lowest. And it takes a lot of faith. But to know that God has a plan A that's better than our plan A is a really encouraging thing for me. And second, the thing that I know from my life is that the plan that God has for me takes me down a road that's oftentimes much harder than the road that I would travel on my own. And and that's a hard thing to learn. Because you think, you know, I'm the child of God. Why aren't you uh, making my life easier? Why aren't you giving me the things that I want? And so often, God doesn't give us the things that we want. Even when it's obvious that the things that we want are for our own good or for somebody else's good. You know, you can pray an honest prayer and, and, you, and it's not answered in the way that you want it to be. And that's a really hard lesson to learn. But our God is a God of detours. Our God is working in ways that we don't understand. Our God has a bigger plan A than our plan A. There's nothing that you can do to diminish it. And and you can dream as big as you want. And you'll never outdream the God, the dream that God has for your life. God God called Stephanie and I to go to seminary uh, quite a few years ago now. And and we went back to school and um or I did and Steph supported me and still supports me. <laughs> and um and and we just knew this was the right thing. So we, we put our house on the market. And, 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 you know, the market had gone like this for a little while. And then it went like this a little bit more. And then we put our house in the market. And then it kept going down. And then we thought it was to the floor. And then it kept going down. And, um, and, and, but we knew we were doing the right thing. But the path that God had called us to walk was not the easy path that we would have chosen for ourselves. And, and, and in the midst of all this... My, my parents' marriage was being torn apart by addiction. And in the midst of all that, my, my dad um, got cancer. And, and if it was my plan A, I would say, God, let's put this off for a little while. I have a lot going on right now. i got some important stuff i got to take care of. But my plan A is not as big as God's plan A. And, and it's a hard lesson to learn. But God has something more in mind for my life. Than I ever would have imagined. If you asked me when I was 22, or if you told me when I was 22, that I was ever going to live in Iowa and that I was ever going to be standing in front of a church of people preaching, I probably would have laughed you out the door. (laughs) I had no idea that God had this in mind for my life. But following God's plan A leads you in some places that you would never imagine going. We see that in Ananias' life, we see that in Saul's life today. Our God is a God of detours. Saul had to learn it the hard way, and so often I do too. Saul was a (laughs) go-getter. Saul's plan A was well thought out. Saul had all his ducks in a row. Saul was uh, on top. Saul was on his way up. Saul had it all figured out. Saul studied under a rabbi named Gamaliel, who was actually one one of the greatest rabbis of his time. But not only that, he's one of the greatest rabbis of all time. He was like, you know, studying under him as a rabbi, if you were a Pharisee, it was kind of like learning trumpet from Miles Davis. <laughs> he was like this great rabbi, and, and Paul was one of his chosen students. The rabbi picked Paul, Saul as his student. And Saul had everything in his favor. He describes it this way in Philippians. I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am a pure blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. So zealous was I for the law that I harshly per- persecuted the church. And, and as for righteousness, I, be, I obey the law without fault. He wasn't exaggerating. He literally did everything humanly possible to obey the law. He was absolutely the best Jew, the best rabbi, the best Pharisee that anybody could be. He was like the gold medalist of being a Pharisee. <laughs> By the standards of his culture, nobody was better. This is exactly why God chose him. Not because God needed somebody that was like that, who had those skill set, who had those, that drive, but God needed somebody that had all that, so that he could have them let it go. And and that's that's where you see Saul. Much like myself, Saul had no idea what God had in mind for him. (coughs) Saul met Jesus on the road that day. Saul's perfect plan A was soon to be lying in shattered pieces in the gutter because Saul was face to face with the very glory of God. Bible Trivia Time. Okay, so... In the Bible, if an angel comes to somebody, what is the one thing they always say? Do not be afraid. Not be afraid. Absolutely. So, you know, when when God himself comes to Abraham in, in Genesis 15, he says, do not be afraid. When when the angel comes to Mary, he says, do not be afraid. When the angel comes to Joseph, he says, do not be afraid. When the angel sees the women at the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, he he says, do not be afraid. What, is it, what does Jesus Christ himself say to Paul? Saul! Saul, why are you persecuting me? He gets absolutely no, do not be afraid at all. What, what Jesus Christ is saying is, he's saying, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. It's totally the opposite. Saul is getting no gospel here. Saul is getting the law. Saul is getting the blunt force trauma of the law. Saul is getting to hear everything that he's gotten wrong by following his plan A. That's hard for us to understand. When God comes to Moses, in Exodus 33, he says, you cannot see my face and live. And Saul here, is at the very face of God. Is it, he sees the glory of God shining around him and he hears the voice of God. He's in the very presence of Jesus Christ without the gospel to connect him with him. The gospel is our connection to Jesus Christ. Without that, God is nothing but a fearful thing. Without the gospel, God, you, you should be very afraid of God. Saul left Jerusalem a self-made man. He was self-actualized he, was, he was, had self-esteem. He was everything self you could want to be. But God stripped all that off of him. It didn't matter what he did for himself. He was helpless when he got to Damascus. Jesus Christ, by the, by the blinding light of his presence, struck Paul totally blind. Totally blind. In an instant. And Saul, who was this self-made man that had everything going for him, all of a sudden... He couldn't do a single thing for himself. He had to be led by, the hand, by his hand to go into Damascus. He couldn't even get there by himself. And for three days, Saul didn't eat or drink. And Saul just prayed. For three days, Saul was like a dead man. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Saul had nothing left. Jesus Christ brought Saul down to the level where there was nothing left to take. God sent Saul Saul one of the Christians that he was breathing murderous threats against. God sent Ananias so that he could know forgiveness. Jesus Christ comes to Saul as the wrath of God to let him know that he needs grace. Not to to tear him down, not to destroy him. Jesus Christ speaks the law of God, speaks the wrath of God into Saul's life so that he knows exactly how badly he needs grace. That's a huge thing. That's a huge thing for all of us. That's something we need. You know, we don't want that. (laughs) You don't want to know how badly you need grace. But only when you know how badly you need grace can you really understand how great it is, how amazing that grace is. So that we can know forgiveness. We know the law. We know why we need forgiveness. And Saul needed that. Saul needed that so badly. For three days he was like a dead man. And Saul sent a preacher. Saul sent Ananias. What is the first word that Ananias speaks to Saul? Ananias, who's struggling with his anger over the things Saul has done. Ananias, who's struggling with his grief. Ananias, who probably would be perfectly fine with Saul falling off the face of the earth, comes to Saul and and calls him brother. He says, "Brother," and he lays his hands on him. He lays his healing hands on Saul. So that Saul can know the grace of God. God sent Saul a preacher in Ananias. Ananias lays his healing hands on that murderer, and he calls him what he really is. He says, "You're not a murderer. You're my brother in Christ." I'm going to show you Matt's story with you. You might know the story because they made a movie into it quite a while ago. Uh, it's Dead Man Walking. And Matt was on death row. He was completely alone. There was no other human being on this earth that cared whether or not Matt lived or died. And then God sent a woman into his life the same way that he sent Ananias to Saul. He sent... Sister Helen, who was a nun, who felt called by God to reach out to people on death row. And, and he was on death row because he murdered a teenage boy and uh, murdered and raped his girlfriend, Walter and Hope. And in, in, the, in the same way that Ananias spoke the gospel into Saul's life, Sister Helen speaks the gospel into his life. It's his last hour to be alive. And he confesses what he's done. Take a look. Do you hear that? Be not afraid. I go before you always. That's the gospel today. That's the gospel that Ananias spoke to, to Saul that's the gospel The Sister Helen spoke to Matt. That's the gospel that God's speaking you to, to you today. Be not afraid. There's nothing that you need to fear. There's, there's a depth of sorrow that only God can touch, she says. But there's not a depth of sorrow that God cannot touch. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, is what Romans says. There's absolutely nothing. There's not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons nor the the powers of this world or the powers of the next world, there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God today. Hear that gospel word. There's absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel today. Be not afraid. There's absolutely nothing that can hold you back. There's absolutely nothing. It's not the disease that's ravaging your body right now. It's not the addiction that can't, you can't let go of right now. It's not the sin that you can't stop doing right now. It's not any of these things. There's nothing that can hold you back from the grace of Jesus Christ. There's nothing. There's no sorrow that the depth of God cannot touch. There's absolutely nothing to hold you back from this table. There's absolutely nothing to keep you from putting your name on that wall. We're, we built this wall on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. You are the new creation in Christ. You are all these things. The thing is that we find our identity in so many other things. We find our identity in what the world says about us. We find our identity in how many girls like us or how many guys like us. We find our identity in our jobs. We find our identity in, in our, our self-worth or how much we volunteer or How good are Christians we are. Our identity isn't in any of those things. Our identity is in you are a child of God. If you haven't heard somebody say that to you, you are a son of God today. You are a daughter of God today. There's nothing that anybody can do to take that away from you. You are a child of God. There's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. There's absolutely nothing that can take you away from this table. There's absolutely nothing that can keep you from being a part of this church. That's the gospel today. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. We don't have a God that, that comes to us with platitudes or a God that comes to us with nice thoughts. We don't have a God that tells us to do a little bit better next time. We have a God that takes the very death in our lives. We have a God that takes the very things that are killing us and resurrects them to life. We have a God that takes ashes and makes beauty. We have a God that takes dust It makes beautiful things. We have a God that is undoing every horrible thing that any person has ever done in this world. We have a God that's at work. We have a God that's present here with us today. We have a God that has done everything that needs to be done. We have a God that said from His cross, it is finished. The work that needs to be done is already done. There is absolutely nothing that you can do to undo your forgiveness. You are forgiven today. There's nothing that you have done in the past that can separate you from God. There's nothing you are doing right now that can separate you from God. There's absolutely nothing in your future that can ever separate you from God. You are a child of God. You are adopted and as sons and daughters. You are grafted into the vine. You are the people of God. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. You are welcome to this table and there's nothing anybody can do to keep you away from this table today. Hear the gospel and be not afraid. Be not afraid anymore. Don't be afraid to be who you are. This is all about learning to be who you really are. All this time, you, you didn't even know who you were. You thought you were the sinner. You thought you were the person that God couldn't love. You thought you were the person that didn't deserve to be loved. You thought you were the person that, that, that anybody could just walk over. You're not any of those things. You are a child of God today. And there's absolutely nothing that can keep you from that. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? This is the gospel today. Be not afraid. This is the gospel. This is the gospel here. Because Jesus Christ is present here with us in this table. In his body and bread. Jesus Christ is has come for you. He's left the 99 to seek you out. He's come for you. For you, not for the person next to you. Don't think that he's come for everyone else in the room but you. Jesus Christ has come for you. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray that we would have ears to hear, as Saul did. Our lives are broken, Lord. Our lives are an absolute mess. That's the way that you would have it. Because you are made perfect. Your strength is made absolutely perfect in our weakness. So we thank you today for our weakness, because your grace comes to us totally apart from anything that we could do. And by our weakness, we know how bad we need it. So we come to you today in gratitude. We come to you today with absolute joy for the work that you've done on the cross, for everything that you've finished. We come to you knowing that in confessing our sins, those sins don't belong to us anymore. We come to you knowing that as you look upon us, you see your Son, Jesus Christ. You don't see the sinner anymore. You don't see the murderer anymore in Saul. You don't see the murderer and the rapist in Matt anymore. You don't see the sinner in me. You don't see any sinners in this room today, Lord. You look at all of us, and you see the work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.